Anyways, Book of James. Um, this morning, I wanted to kind of give you a little bit of an introduction on what we're going to be doing for the next few weeks, as, as I've already done that. Um, I wanted to take you through the first four verses of the book of James. So we're going to be reading James chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. This is going to be the first uh, portion of your guys' home group study this week. Um, you guys will be able to dive a lot deeper into it this week. So I'm super excited for you to do that. Until then, you'll have to bear with me. So James chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I know many of you guys have probably read this verse or have heard this verse preached on before or maybe even lived by this verse. We had a brother share in our men's ministry how this is one of his favorite verses and how it's really kind of a banner in his life. Um, and so what, what are we seeing here when we read James chapter one, verses one through four, what is one of the first things that James is talking about? He opens up his book, he says greetings, right? He greets the people, the people that he's addressing to. But then in verse two, he's starting a topic and his very first topic is this. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. You know, this is kind of a crazy concept or idea, especially in our day and age when we don't know really what to do when we do face trials sometimes. When sometimes trials get in our way, we, we kind of don't know where God is in the midst of it or we don't know if it's, you know, if it's blocking us, is, is it spurring us on? We don't really know. We, trials ca cause division in our lives and it causes confusion in our lives. And so reading this first very first verse or second verse that James writes in this letter uh, to the early church, the fact that it says, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. What does James mean? What is he saying when he says to count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds? I think first, it's really important to understand like who James is writing to. The, who's the audience? What is he writing to? What's his intention? What's happening in this culture? And it's kind of cool, the, the Bible study will take you through a little bit of the history and what, what's kind of happening in your leaders. Um, through the leader guide, we'll kind of give you guys more information on what's happening in this time during the book of James. But just to give you a quick summary, the book of James was written to a specific people, the Jewish people of the early church. It was written to the Jewish people of the early church. And in fact, this is kind of a side note, all the people who started the early church were Jewish. All of the people who started the early church, there were 120 apostles that were in the upper room when the Holy Spirit fell after, after Jesus ascended into heaven. They were all Jews. And this is significant. I mention this as significant because if you think about how strict the Jews were in obeying the law they have always been under, which was a law of Moses, can you imagine the challenges that they faced with their own people, Jews, other fellow brother Jews in following the man Jesus Christ who seemingly oversimplified that Mosaic law. You see, Jesus came 
and he oversimplified 613 plus 10 laws that all of Jerusalem lived by throughout all of their, their history into two. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And so, and he claimed to be God and there were all these things that he was doing. He was healing on the Sabbath. He was, he was touching the unclean. He was associating with Samaritans. He was doing so many things that opposed the status quo. What's so incredible though, when I think about how the early church were all Jews, it's that when God wants to move, he intentionally wants to oppose the status quo. He will always oppose the status quo. We're talking 120 Jews that were completely rejected by their own people because of their choice to follow Jesus. And so for those of you that want to join the move of God in opposition of the status quo in our society, in your workplace, in any arena that you're involved in, this book is for you. This book gets intense. It, it defines and uh, separates the line between black and white. It draws really clear lines of what it means to be a believer. Some commentators say that this book is actually the book, like, kind of like the book of Proverbs of the New Testament. It gives you an overview of just wisdom, sayings, that do's and don'ts of a believer, stuff like that. And so for those of you that want to join the move of God in opposition of the status quo, this book is definitely for you. So James is writing to the Jews and who were just, in fact, scattered from where they were because of religious persecution. So he's writing to these Jews and he's starting with this first point and this first topic of consider it joy when you face trials of many kinds because the Jews were just dispersed. They were just scattered out of their land because of religious persecution. And in Acts chapter eight, it's actually quite interesting. The person that was persecuting them was the man who would become the apostle Paul. It's incredible what God does and how, how his redemption stories unfolded throughout scripture. But the apostle Paul in Acts chapter eight, he he, it says that he starts to just persecute the early church and the church just feared, afraid of that, afraid for their lives, just begin to scatter they just begin to run for their lives, not wanting to lose um, their, their opportunity to share the gospel. They're not wanting to die. They're not wanting to, to experience pain. And so this is what the author James is writing. This is who the author of James is writing to. This is what they were going through. Put yourself in their shoes for a second. Can you imagine, you know, having it all together, following Jesus? Like, man, all right, here's Jesus. He's healing the sick healing the blind, and we're going to follow him, and he's going to establish his kingdom. Man, he died on the cross. Dang it. Oh, he rose again? Yes! Like, we're, we're on top again. Oh, he's going to heaven? What? Like, Jesus is playing with my emotions, man. Like, I can't imagine. You know, he, he's there for 30 years. He's there three years of ministry, and then he dies, and they're just like, oh my gosh, they're going to kill me if I associate myself with him. And they, they, don't, they didn't want anything to do. And all of a sudden, he's risen back from the dead. And they're like, hey, what's up, Jesus? <laughs> like, it's funny. I didn't even study that, but it's just hitting me right now. Oh, my gosh. That's, that's pretty funny. <laughs> and this fool Jesus, <laughs> he ascends into heaven. I don't know why that is so funny to me right now. But I just can't imagine how these poor Jews feel. <laughs> That their savior, their king, was there. He was crucified on the cross. And then he came out on top, but then he left them. Like, 
But there was, he left them with a promise, though. He left them with a promise and with a purpose and with a mission. And so um, it, just put yourself in their shoes, though, like as the early church, not really knowing how to handle persecution. This is the very first time that the church is experiencing like mass persecution. They didn't know what to do, so they just scattered. And so James says, in response to their scattering, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. Count it all joy. How many of you in this room have experienced a time when uh, you were you were finding you found a rhythm. You had a rhythm to life. You were you were going. You felt good. Everything was positive. You were feeling good, and all of a sudden something comes to just kind of just ruin it all. I think we all could kind of remember a time that we've experienced that, or maybe we're kind of experiencing that right now. You know, uh, as I was writing this, I had a really tough time um, thinking of an example in my relationship with my wife because I'm just so good at keeping like no records of wrong. And I'm just so loving and forgiving. And I, I just, I couldn't find an example. And, um, you know, for the sake of Valentine's Day, I was trying to remind you guys that, you know, like love your wife like I love my wife, you know? I'm just kidding. Um, and then the Lord, uh, you know, I actually, that's a true story. I actually had a hard time, not because of the things that I said, but I had a hard time and there was something that I actually, this is something I haven't shared with actually any of you guys, but this was something that the Lord turned me to when I started to look at my own heart. You know, I started, I, whenever I think of examples in sermons, like I'm always thinking of an objective thing, something that won't harm or hurt anyone or uh, kind of like uh, mess up someone's reputation or image. And, but then I started thinking about myself and then I thought of this, this story and I was like, man, I don't know if I should share this because I don't know if it'll cause people to stumble or if people look at me differently. It's really not that big of a deal, but I was really going through this. Because um, it's interesting, you know, when you start looking at yourself, how hesitant you are about expressing the hurt that you've experienced or the hurt that you've caused and how much you're not willing to talk about it when it, when it has to come down to you and your, your pain, your issues and the way you've caused pain on other people so I'm going to share this story. Um, so Hannah and I, we dated for four years, uh, four years long distance. I lived in San Diego for college, and Hannah lived in Vallejo and moved to Reading for a little bit. So we did four years of long distance. So we're just dating. We had so much vision for our relationship. Uh, we were going to get married. We were talking about being worship pastors together, potentially in San Diego or wherever the Lord was going to call us. We were just so excited for what God was going to do through us. We loved each other so much at that time. We were just really pursuing after each other, made time to talk on Uvu. It's like Uvu was FaceTime back then when Apple was still kind of developing the face camera. That, that camera. So, so we were uvuing day and night, and my friends wanted to like hang out, and I'd be like, no, I got to uvu with, with my bae, you know, like she's before anything else. Like, I, you know, like we have to, I have to prioritize my relationship with Hannah. And I would advise that for anyone. You know, God calls us to prioritize our marriages, prioritize our relationships. If you're pursuing someone into marriage, if you're pursuing someone to, to uh, propose or to uh, be engaged, like God is calling you to pursue after them hard. And so this is what we were doing. But 
Of course, the enemy was going to try and mess things up. We had a lot of momentum, so much uh, potential. We were just so excited. And then all of a sudden, my senior year hit, and there was an unaddressed hurt in my heart that kind of the enemy started to exploit in my life. And then there came another girl in the middle of our dating relationship that I started entertaining feelings for. And I ended up verbally acting on it. I didn't physically act on it. Um, I just verbally acted on it. We talked, DTR'd, and that was it. Um, but as DTR means determine the relationship, sorry. <laughs> so as soon as I verbally acted on, uh, I learned that from like my mom, I think. Um, as soon as I verbally acted on my, on my emotion and my feelings and, um, and just like my feelings for this other girl, I knew that I had sinned right then and there. I had sinned one against God and I had sinned against my future wife, Hannah. It was a big deal. Even though I didn't do anything physical or anything like that, it was a big deal. You know, to God, he doesn't measure sin by its degree of, of uh, heaviness. Sin is sin. All have fallen short and uh, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so for me, you know, in the standards and convictions that the Holy Spirit has placed on my heart, I was broken. I knew exactly what I had done. And the moment that I told Hannah, like she broke, like completely broke. And just Hannah's my most prized possession, gem of a woman, would not hurt an ant unless she asked me to kill it. <laughs> Seriously, she won't touch ants. So Hannah is just like everything. And for me to do that, can you just imagine that? You know, just you see Hannah, you see me, like imagine you would say, Nico, you're such a jerk, right? You know, if this was a movie right now, ah, ah, like, why'd you do that? Like, for those of you guys that watch Korean dramas or like, I know you guys watch Korean dramas or Ma'ala Ala Mokaya, like for Filipinos or anything like that. Like, I totally pulled the jerk move. And this was our fourth year of our dating relationship. We had everything going for us. I was, about to I was about to propose. And this was some crazy, this was some crazy work that God needed to do in my heart. But this was something that became a trial in our relationship. You know, James starts uh, his letter in addressing the trials that the early church was facing in persecution. Now, I'm not saying we were, you know, we were experiencing persecution. If anything, I was persecuting Hannah. But how many of you guys have faced a trial? How many of you guys have faced one? Just by raising a hand. How many of you guys have faced one? And just look around you. Look around you. We all have gone through it. We've all gone through it. Some of y'all are like, yeah, he's sitting right next to me. <laughs> <laughs> or she's sitting right next to me. But I want to ask yourself this question. How do you respond in the face of that trial? How do you respond? How do you respond? You know, the first thing I thought when I realized what I had done to Hannah, I thought to myself, man, it's all over. This is it. Like, we're not. Everything that I had envisioned for my life, everything that I had promised, everything that I thought about marriage, it's all done. I screwed it up. I'm never going to get this back. I'm never going to be able to do this with another girl. It's all over. The relationship is ruined. But everything inside me at the same time, Holy Spirit was stirring it in my soul that I know I have to get on my knees before God and before Hannah, repent of what I've done, and I have to pursue hard. I gotta pursue hard now. And it, my faith 
needed to be tested. And on the other end of the spectrum, Hannah's faith needed to be tested. James 1, verses 2 through 4, if you put the two phrases together, you could see that James defines a trial as a testing of faith. When you meet trials of various kinds, count it all joy, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So we could equate trials with testing of faith. The faith that Hannah and I had in our relationship was definitely tested at this time. I had to make a choice, a new choice. We had to make brand new choices and brand new commitment to each other to chase and run after each other. And it took time until we were able to experience healing in full, but if there was anything that I know about passing a real test is that it takes time. It's a process. You see, trials are a test of time and endurance. You see, James, I almost said Paul, James is not telling the Jewish church to, he's not telling them to count it all joy when you, when you face trials and only when you face trials and that's it. Just count it joy when you face trials. It's cool, just you're being persecuted, just be happy. It's all good, just have a positive mindset. <laughs> That'll get you through. That's not what James is saying. He in fact says, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Other versions says perseverance. Other versions says endurance. You see, this is a guarantee. This is a promise. This is an equation that trials equals steadfastness. But you see, it's not just one trial. It's various, it's trials of various kinds, plural. We will face way more than just one trial. Your marriage will be on the verge of of just breakup or divorce way more than just once. Your, now I'm not claiming that over you, I'm just saying that when the trials come, we have to remember that with all of those things that we experience, all the hiccups that we experience, the trials that we experience, it is God producing steadfastness within our faith. You see, our faith is being tested every time we are tried with something in our life. And so James says, to count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. You know, Hannah and I, we've both ventured into the question, like, why? Like, how can we find joy in this? Where is the joy in this? And for me, I realized that God was highlighting something in my life that I wasn't really willing to address, loneliness. Throughout my four years of college, I experienced, this is just a, it's another story, but I experienced a lot of things that kind of fed into this loneliness in my heart. And um, I was a worship leader on stage a lot in front of hundreds of students, people that were peers, older, people that I wanted to gain acceptance by. And um, I was a leadership student um, scholarship for it, paid to be a leader on my campus. Uh, like for my, they paid for my college so that I could be a leader on my campus. It's crazy. And so all of these things that God was placing in my life, I kind of just unhealthily associated it with like, okay, I have to be good at everything then. I have to be okay. I can't be lonely. I'm never lonely. In fact, I help people with loneliness. Like I'm never lonely. I'm good. How are you doing? He goes, man, I'm good. I'm leading worship today. Like I'm doing good. And so there was all of this, like this, uh, this lie from the enemy uh, that was spoken over me that I needed to, I had no permission to be lonely. 
I had no permission to be hurt, that I had no permission to experience shame because of the things that I felt God was calling me to. And me ignoring that was used by the enemy to exploit our relationship. It was used to exploit a lot of my friendship with that girl at my college. Like she, the enemy used it to exploit so many aspects of my life, but I'm telling you, when we choose to allow hurt or things that we are struggling with to be kept in the dark, you know what grows in the dark? I've said it before, you've probably heard it before, mold grows in the dark. Mold grows in the dark. And like when we allow, for me, a sense of loneliness to be unaddressed in our relationship and for me unaddressed in my relationship with God, it'll just grow mold to the point where the enemy can easily exploit it. Like, oh, look, there's a girl. She'll probably give you a little bit more attention because she's right in front of you. And that's exactly what the enemy was, was lying to me about. He was just saying, well, just... You've been thinking about it, Nico. You've been thinking about it. Just go. Like, you're, she's another worship leader. She, it's fine. You're in San Diego. Hannah will never find out. You don't even need to tell her. The enemy was so lying to me. And it's so important that we allow these hurts, these things that we're experiencing to come into the light so that God can deal with it so that our faith can truly be tested in the right way. Because if our faith is tested, but we're hiding a part of ourselves we're not gonna have everything we need for the test. Does that make sense? And so it's so important that we bring everything at the feet of Jesus to, to the presence of the Father so that our faith and the testing of our faith can really produce steadfastness. It's so important, it's so vital. And you see, What's crazy is that what Satan meant for evil in our relationship, God meant for good. You see, this brought a new revelation in Hannah's and my heart that our relationship couldn't be just based on our love for four years. Our, our like, oh man, we read crazy love and we wanna love each other like, we, like Christ loved the church. You know, we were like, we were like gung-ho, like super passionate about our relationship. We couldn't live on yesterday's passion is what God was teaching us. And we needed to daily, learn to daily choose each other. So a little Valentine's tag. Your I do is not just on the day you got married, but it's every day after. And so what Satan meant for evil, God meant for good. He was teaching us something. He was growing us. He was producing steadfastness in our heart so that we may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, I'm not saying we're perfect. I'm not saying we're perfect. The enemy will always just kind of, he'll always kind of nag at you and try to use things against each other so that he can cause division in your marriages. But it's so important to understand that each of those trials of various kinds um, that we should count it joy when we face it because that is the testing of our faith and it eventually produces a steadfastness that God is truly calling us to. Is, am I making sense this morning? You know, I believe that this trial, it highlighted some impurities in the gold that God wanted our relationship to be. You know, and I believe that that's what trials do in our lives it highlights impurities in your heart, in your life, in your relationships, in your workplace, in whatever arena that you're involved in. It highlights those impurities in the gold that God created you to be. But it's highlighting those impurities because God is, is just wanting to, just like a refiner. He wants to refine the gold and scoop up gold when it's refined in the fire. 
You know, he's wanting to scoop it up and he's wanting to take it out. But in order for those impurities to come out, trials need to happen. Trial by fire needs to happen. Gold needs to be melted before it could be purified. And so I think that, that in, in, the, in what God is calling us um, as believers or as, as married couples, as single people, as whoever you are, as sons and daughters, to be the gold that he created us to be, he is also including trials so that he can perfect us and help us lack in nothing. Does that make sense? This is the test, this is the process of faith that produces steadfastness and perseverance. You know, you'll hear it in in your home groups, but Francis Chan says it this way, and you heard it in the video, that God doesn't want you to be happy, he wants you to be holy. He doesn't doesn't call you to be a Christian so that you could be rich, so that you could be prosperous, so that you you can inherit the earth, like although those are some promises from God, that's not what he's wanting you to be. He's wanting you to be holy. He wants you to be set apart. He wants you to be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And so of course, if being perfect and complete, lacking in nothing, if the process getting there means trials, then I will take every trial that life faces, that life gives me. I will face every opposition that the enemy puts against me. I will, say, I, will choose, I will look my trial in the face and I will count it joy because I know that my God is on the other side wanting to perfect me and complete me in his image so I could become more like Christ. You see, this is what James is talking about. The refining of our faith and the fires of trials will always result in us becoming more like Christ. So we could count it all joy when we face trials of many kinds because God is calling you to be more like him, to love harder than you did the day before, to, to pursue your wife even more than you did the day before, to date your wife more than you did the, way, the day before. I'm calling out husbands a lot because I'm, I'm a guy, so <laughs> can you guys stand with me? You know, I'm, I'm just so excited for this study in the book of James. It's, it's really gonna, it's gonna bring a lot out of us and I, I'm so excited to see what, the way we grow as a church, as a family, um, to hear stories, to, to be a part of your different home groups. We'll probably cruise around and visit you guys every now and then, um, but we'll visit different ones uh, when we can. But yeah, I'm excited because what James is talking about, what God wants to really implant in our hearts is joy, is joy in the midst of trials. Because God is in the midst of it. He's in the midst of it, he's found, he's right there, he never left, he didn't, he didn't call you to face it alone. And if he didn't put it in you to have the ability to, to face it, then I don't know who God is. But basically, what I'm trying to say is, if he put you in it, then he put it in you. If he put you in the trial, then he put it in you to get through to the other side. Like he gave you the potential that you need to be able to face everything that you face in your life. Let's pray. God, I just ask right now for your Holy Spirit to just stir up a new love in our heart for you, a new passion for you, God. God, that you would be uh, all we desire to see and, and hear and, and pay attention to, God, so that, event, so that ultimately we could count it pure joy when we face trials of many kinds because you want to make us more like you. And so, God, help us to remember that in everything that we face, 
you have already prepared a table for us in the middle of it. With every trial we face, every enemy we're surrounded by, we have a table, a feast that you prepared for us. And so God, I'm just declaring that over, over every person in this room right now. I'm declaring your victory, your joy, God. I'm just, I'm just declaring your, your confidence, your boldness, God, your courage to just come upon every single person in this room right now in Jesus' name, that in the midst of their trials, they would be able to choose joy, that in the midst of their suffering, they would be able to see you and that they would be able to feast in the presence of this trial and in the presence of their enemies because God they are royalty they are your sons they are your daughters you only have good for them God and surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of their lives I'm declaring that over you right now in Jesus name and our destiny is the house of the Lord forever and so God we just thank you for the security we have it's found in your word, lived out in your spirit, and soon to be experienced, God, when you come again. I thank you, God, so much. We love you, and we praise you. In your name we pray. Everyone said. Amen.